Hello, Marvelites. You are listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 525. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. I'm Lorraine Sink, Agent uh, whatever. And this is JMI, and I'm just happy to be here. And we're Yay! happy to have you again, James. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. James, congratulations on three years of Hamilton. You just finished up your run. Thank you very much. It was a wonderful, wonderful time in my career. I had made some great friends. I got to do this literally amazing American historical juggernaut of a Broadway musical, and I'm so happy to be a part of it. I loved being in Hamilton. It was one of the best highlights of my career, but not being in it also freed up a lot of time to do some of the things that I really love to do, which this show is one of them, being hanging out with you and Lorraine is one of my favorite things ever. I love talking about Marvel. I get so jazzed talking about this nerdy stuff, so yeah, I'm so glad to be back. Yeah. Great way to tee us up into what this show is, because This Week in Marvel is a show where we talk about everything happening this week in Marvel, from games, comics, movies, TV, whatever we're excited about. And, I mean, come on. What a week. Oh. Yeah. Oh, man. A big week over here and a big show this week. We have not one, but two interviews. First up with Marvel's Hitmonkey showrunners, Josh Gordon and Will Speck, plus a bonus interview with WWE champion wrestler, Big E. Yeah. Oh, that was a fun did one. I, did I do it right? Yes, guys? you yes. did. Yes, you did. Okay, great. Great. Phew. Yeah. We're going to get into all of that a little bit later, but come on. The biggest news of the week is, of course, the release of the new Marvel Studios Spider-Man No Way Home trailer. Yes. Oh my gosh. I wow, just absolute wow. I think that this is one of these things that you know people dream about or like they talk about in their friendly fan circles where they're like, "Oh, wouldn't it be so cool if like Alfred Molina as Dr. Octopus got to act with Tom Holland as Spider-Man and like, what is happening?" Yo, I I will say when I heard Jamie Foxx's voice Yes. I got excited. Man, it's so cool. And I feel one of the other things I love about all the trailers that we get for an MCU film is they show us so many cool things and we're mm -hmm. like losing our minds. But we know there's so much more we're not yes. seeing. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing. If that's the taste, yes. if that's just yeah. the little, little pinch of oregano, like what's the rest <laughs> of it, which I'm so excited about. And like we saw so many villains in that movie. I could not, I could not believe it. Also, Got to give a shout out to my 90s kids for the 90s trailer guy at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See Spider Monday. I was like, hey, deep voice trailer guy. Cool. Yes. <laughs> Spider Monday coming November 29th. That's when tickets will be on sale for Marvel Studios Spider-Man No Way Home, which, of course, again, is in theaters December 17th, only in theaters. And those big format, wonderful, like, that's the way you got to experience this. You got to experience yeah. it in a really great way. And 10 out of 10... I got to say, I watched the trailer first time on my phone and then I went and I watched it on like my big monitor and I was like, oh, this is better. So also, if you have not watched the trailer on a full screen, yes. get off that phone, get yes. on a big monitor because it's worth it. I thoroughly agree. I thoroughly agree. I will take that up a notch and say, watch it on your TV. If you have a big mm. TV with YouTube, go to the Marvel YouTube channel. Glorious. Y'all, this is going to be fun. Less than a month away. 
On top of that, there's a new poster for Marvel Studios Spider-Man No Way Home. We're starting to see some more toys get announced and, and revealed. I saw a sideshow posted about the Hot Toys toys coming out. I'm sure we're going to see more from Hasbro and from all the other amazing partners out there. It's exciting. It's real, real, yeah, real good. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure we're going to have much more to talk about when it comes to Spider-Man in the coming weeks, but we got to keep rolling on with more Marvel Studios action with Marvel Studios Hawkeye. Oh, we're less than a week away from the premiere of Marvel Studios Hawkeye streaming exclusively on Disney Plus. I can't wait. I can't wait for people to watch this. I can't wait for comics fans to watch this. It's tremendous. It's really funny. It's sweet. It's one of those things. Every new Marvel Studios original series on Disney Plus, I feel like this is my new favorite. It's yeah. just they keep upping the ante. The trajectory of Hawkeye and the way Ritter has played him from Marvel Studios Thor all the way to now has been an amazing arc because, mm-hmm. you know, in the comic, you know, just watching him be like, you know, the surly, angry, blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, watching him kind of come out of his shell, have a heart, then go back and then, you know, get, deal with, you know, all the different things, family things he was dealing with. But then watching his arc in the MCU and watching him kind of be the heart of the Avengers group. Like, everybody's got their strengths and the leader and the people who are there. But, like, the guy who brings the levity who says, look, you can still have a life even though you're saving the world I, I can't wait to see where it goes because he is funny i mean there's that line in marvel studios avengers age of ultron when he says you know there are robots in the sky and i've got a bow and arrow none of this makes sense i was like that's hawkeye and that's him for the rest of the mcu you're like yes that is like i'm glad somebody finally said it so i cannot wait for this show Yeah, you know what, one thing, we see it in the trailer, Clint Barton has his tattoos that we first saw in Marvel Studios Avengers Endgame, and it's like such a perfect symbolism of like sort of everything he's been through in the MCU and like the mark that being an Avenger for so many years has left on him, and I'm so excited about it. Oh, and speaking of Disney+, Plus, if you want to learn more about all the awesome announcements that came out last week for Disney Plus Day. Definitely go listen to our last episode. We also have a really wonderful interview with the folks from Marvel Studios, Brad Winterbaum and Dana Vasquez Eberhardt. Definitely go listen to that. We talk a lot about Marvel Studios X-Men 97, Mm. which is really exciting. Uh, Mm. Spider-Man freshman year and all the animated series and shows that are coming. So definitely go check it out. But also on Disney Plus, did y'all get to watch Marvel Studios Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings in IMAX yet? I haven't got to watch all of it, but I watched a little peeky peek. Mm. It looks really awesome. It looks great on the big TV, which I love. Also over on Disney Plus, Marvel Studios Assembled, the making of Shang-Chi is now streaming on Disney Plus, and it's so cool. That's what I wanted to watch. The way that they film The Great Protector is so crazy and so cool. The way that they film Morse, they have like a big stuffy kind of thing, which is really cute, which Ben Kingsley became very apparently attached to the big stuffy. Anyways, just watch it. It is great. It's so fun to see the behind the scenes, especially for a film like this where there's so much VFX and so much of the world is built around them. It's really cool. And it's wonderful. You could watch that with the whole family and everybody has Mm -hmm. a great time. Something I would suggest you do not watch with younger viewers (laughs) is Marvel's Hitmonkey, which is streaming now entirely on Hulu. But I will say this is one of my favorite things Marvel has done this year. It is wild. It is magical. It is 
exceptionally everything. Like, everything is so over the top in this show. It is just tremendous. If you don't know what Marvel's Hitmonkey is, it's about a Japanese snow monkey aided by the ghost of an American assassin who goes on a revenge quest through the Tokyo underworld and becomes the famous killer of killers. It is so good. It's James, you gotta watch nuts. it. No, no, trust it's me. It's hilarious. It, that, that's my start this week. It's gruesome. It's great. I can't wait for folks to check it out. Obviously, it's also got like a crazy cast. Jason Sudeikis, George Takei, Olivia Munn, Ali Maki, who some people might know from Marvel's Cloak and Dagger, Nobunaka Nishi, and Fred Tatashore. Fred Tatashore voices Hitmonkey, and he also voices the Hulk in a ton yes. of cartoons, mm-hmm. as well as other voices. And he's a lovely human being. That man is a legend in the world of voiceover. He's, yeah. oh God, he's so good. Obviously, James, you're a huge animation fan, and the animation for Marvel's Hitmonkey is done by Floyd County Productions, oh, yes. the people behind Archer. So that is super cool. Yeah. I cannot stress this enough. So fun and so wrong, but like in the best way possible. But those are my favorite kinds. It was just so yeah. good, so wrong. There's there's a thing that happens in the second episode where I was just laughing. I was laughing like, how did we get away with this? <laughs> Almost the whole show. I'm yeah, like, are we so allowed to do this? Yeah. It's so fun. god yes and so we're going to be talking more about marvel's hit monkey with the showrunners in just a little bit but we got to talk a little bit about video games yeah last week we talked a little bit about marvel's avengers spider-man coming to the game on november 30th but there's some other updates coming alongside that november 30th with the marvel's avengers patch 2.2 james you want to run down some of that stuff Yes, Marvel's Avengers Patch 2.2 adds new Claw Raid. The shipment's features provides an entire new path to earn coveted cosmetics, resources, and other items strictly through gameplay and highly requested option from the Marvel Avengers community. Your power levels increase. The maximum power level achievable will increase to 150 to 175. You get to acquire the best gear. That requires players to complete the game's toughest challenges and the new four-player Claw Raid Discordant Sound Raid. It's a gear upgrading. Players will be able to recycle gear of a higher power level to upgrade their current gear to match the higher level of the consumed item with a few exceptions. It's actually really, really cool just to see what you can do if you get through the whole game. Now, if you really want to see something cool, watch the trailer on Marvel.com. And also, Marvel Avengers is currently available on the PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Xbox Game Pass, Xbox One, Xbox Series X and S, Windows, PC, Steam, and Stadia, and it is rated teen. It just hit me like how fun this is because the claw raid, as in K-L-A-W, as in Ulysses Claw, sounds like it's got a lot of gear going on, which makes sense if you know Ulysses Claw. Yeah. Because... Yeah, boy, loves vibranium. Yeah. <laughs> I have the game on PlayStation 5, and I played through a ton of it on PS5, but now it's on Xbox Game Pass. If you have Game Pass, it's part of your subscription. H&M loves video games, and H&M loves MODOK, because yes. this week I got to reveal the cover to X-Men number 8 on social media, which was a whole bunch of fun. Marvel Comics was like, uh, do you want to put out this cover? It seems good instead of us just putting out like an image on social media. So I've recorded like a four minute dumb video where I got to do that. Oh, hi. I didn't see you. Come in. 
um, which is always one of my favorite things to do in a video. The cover has MODOK on it, and it's a beautiful cover by Pepe Larraz and Marte Gracia, and MODOK versus the X-Men coming out in February. It is gorgeous. It's going to be great. One of the fun things is, you know, MODOK's in the issue, and it's it reflects what we learned about MODOK and MODOK's sort of evolution in the recent MODOK Head Games comic by Pat Oswalt and Jordan Bloom, and so it's it's cool. I think they're doing some really fun stuff. I was texting with Jordan the other day, and he's he's got a bunch of fun irons in the fire across all of his entertainment aspects. So, neato mosquito, as they say. They do say that, don't they? They do. Also in comics, we got Defenders number one on Marvel Unlimited this week. This is so fun. It's Al Ewing, obviously, the dude, as well as Javier Rodriguez, another of the dude. Yeah, Defenders number one, look. Al Ewing, one of my favorite writers right now. Javier Rodriguez, maybe my favorite. I can't, it's hard to say. Javi is one of my all-time favorite artists. He's got this like Jack Kirby style mixed with a whole bunch of different influences and he, his storytelling and his panel layouts. He's just like unleashed in this issue. And also he's a colorist, so he colors himself and he's got this amazing palette. It's a beautiful book. It's like a big time travel epic. As you go through the story, they actually go to one of the previous Cosmos where Galactus was from when he was like a more human-like creature, Gallon of Ta, and they meet Galactus's mom. The second issue, which will be out, I guess, next month, is called Galactus's Mom Has Got It Going On. Like, <laughs> wow. there's a, a tone to this comic that is fun. It's vibrant. There's big, weird, weird stuff happening in it, but it's really spectacular. If you're a Marvel Unlimited subscriber and you're not reading Defenders yet, now is your chance to get on it. It is bananas. It's great. It's really, really fun. Next up, we have Marvel's Wastelanders Hawkeye Chapter 8 shot in the back is now available. You know what? We could talk about it or we could listen to it. I think listening to it is better. So let's do that. Destiny? Hello, Maynard. Am I interrupting? Of course not, Maynard. Probably not. An old man being paranoid. But you know it's not. Just deal the cards, the tarot cards. We're out of whiskey, Clint. It's the middle of the night and Ash still hasn't come back and you and me are just going around in circles. That's cause the room is spinning, Kate. I think we're out of whiskey. You can't just kill Maynard. You can't do that, Ash. Oh wait, you're lecturing me about killing people? You think I'm happy about what I did? I didn't mean to do it, but I still did it. And look what it did to me. I don't want you to feel like this. Uh, see, I, you guys know me. I talk about it a lot. I love just amazing voiceover actors. And I'm telling you, Marvel's Wastelanders Hawkeye is just the best. I mean, it's just so well put together, so well produced. You guys need to just hear it. And you can hear it first exclusively on SiriusXM app or by subscribing to Marvel Podcasts Unlimited on Apple Podcasts and coming soon everywhere else. And if you're not subscribed, you can currently listen to the first six episodes. Learn more at SiriusXM.com slash Wastelanders. Trust me, you do not want to miss this. Marvel's Wastelanders, Hawkeye, great podcast, but also what makes a great podcast? Lorraine and I, and we did one for <laughs> winteriscoming.net with Mia Johnson. You like that? I'm all about the segues that today. That was a good segue. 
Yeah, I'm going to go buy a Segway. I'm feeling so good about it. Uh, I, winteriscoming.net. We did a great episode with Mia talking about our 10th anniversary that we're celebrating for the next, you know, almost year. We did all kinds of fun stuff, talked about some of our favorite moments and, and all kinds of stuff. So you can go to winteriscoming.net and check out that episode. Yeah, learn all of our deepest, darkest secrets. All right, it's time for our interviews. We got two of them for you. First up is Marvel's Hit Monkey showrunners Josh Gordon and Will Speck. Lorraine and I talked to these wonderful boys about this just very wonderful, weird, wild show, what attracted them to Hit Monkey as a character, and so much more. Enjoy. Oh, Lorraine, I'm so excited because now joining us on the show are the wonderful mad minds behind the magic that is Marvel's hit monkey, Josh Gordon. Hey, how's it going? Very well. And Will Speck. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, we're very excited. Friggin' love the show. I can't help it because it's part of my vernacular, but I immediately go, it is bananas. (laughs) (laughs) Which Yeah, we had to fight that instinct all through the making. Yeah, it's funny because you always have to have a code name these days when you're in production on something, and our code name was bananas, so I think you picked up on it. What's your Marvel origin story? What was the first way that you were introduced to Marvel as fans, as as young humans? Yeah, I mean, we grew up on Marvel. We're both enthusiasts and we're big fans of the kind of the relaunch and definitely the invigoration that Iron Man brought to the whole MCU and kind of opened it up just cinematically. It was really exciting to us. And we kind of came across Hitmonkey, which was published first in 2010. And it was a pretty amazing origin story when we read it. It was such a perfectly constructed, sort of spoke to this weird depth and pathos. And it was also just, I mean, sorry to say, it was bananas. And we read it and we just completely fell in love with it. And we couldn't get it out of our heads. So we just kept bringing it up every time we had meetings at Marvel. It would be like, yeah, you're like the third director that's in love with this, you know, so. There's just something very emotional and also very cinematic about this idea of this expert marksman and martial artist, you know, who has incredible agility and reflexes, who's also happens to be, you know, a monkey. But just to say, Daniel Way and Delobor Talak, they're the original creators of the first graphic novel and um, they did one edition and then he sort of got folded a bit into Deadpool. But there is something about these sort of left of center, slightly off-brand characters that are always really interesting to us. And we always love a sort of challenge of like, how do you actually take this fully seriously? in a way that makes it badass, that makes the audience kind of like accept it. And that was really, when we read it, we are like, boy, if you could pull that off, this is one of the best origin stories in Marvel. And there's something also about the art that Frank Cho did originally in that that was just very beautiful and very emotional. That's what's so great when the MCU really kind of pulls that together, which is the emotionality alongside the heart and especially the humor. That's Marvel to a T, and mm-hmm. I, I think that's part of what I really glom onto about the show is that it has all those elements, but it's peppered in with extreme moments of ultra violence and dark, dark humor. It like takes a lot of really exciting chances and weird, fun swings with the Marvel world, including a lot of the cast. Obviously, you mentioned the original comics, but you've got characters like Fat Cobra and Lady Bullseye in the show. What was the research process like for you guys to flesh out the world for the show? Yeah, it was interesting because Bullseye is in the original three comics and obviously made so much sense because he's such a dangerous and kind of psychotic uh, character that it played well against sort of monkeys emerging 
where do I fit in the world against psychos like this? You know what I mean? And we thought about using him, but he felt sort of a part of other shows at that time, and it just didn't feel right. And then we kind of came across Lady Bullseye, who is really interesting and really kind of underutilized, we thought. And so it instantly felt like the right choice in the show. She comes in about halfway through the season and just kind of adds this adrenaline shot to the middle of the show, which is pretty cool. I honestly, every episode, I'm like floored by what you guys have gotten to explore in the show. Also, it really has like such a different vibe than anything I think that we've seen on television from Marvel. There's some like really awesome anime vibes kind of going on in the show. What sort of other shows or media or things in the world inspired you as you were beginning to work on this show? Also, just shout out to the absurdity of the monkey origin story of like, (laughs) like the heightened circumstances of like this dark brooding origin for a cute little snow monkey. I know. We're taking this stuff seriously, man. That was always the thing was it felt obviously when we read the original, it has its obvious references, which are like, if you were looking now, it would be John Wick or Tarantino, or there's this sort of cinematic, heavy, brooding vibe to the originals, which we absolutely love. But we also kind of felt this like really strong Kurosawa kind of vibe, you know, this dead monkeys in the snow and the kind of revenge saga of it really appealed to us. So we really started digging into like Westerns and samurai revenge stories. And we also kind of always loved this movie called The Matador with Pierce Brosnan in it maybe a decade or two ago. And it was sort of about an assassin that was really at the end of his emotional rope. And he kind of comes across this innocent guy. And there was just something so funny about that juxtaposition to us of this like incredibly jaded, world-weary, probably alcoholic kind of broken down guy and a really sort of pure, innocent spirit and how those two would have to interact with each other. And so when we read this comic, we went, my God, this is such, it's all dealing with the stuff that we love. And so it was really rich. I mean, in terms of other shows, you know, we were huge and are still, but huge anime fans, obviously Ghost in the Shell and Tokyo Ghoul and Cowboy Bebop and Full Metal Alchemist and all of those things. There's just such an incredible beauty to that anime work. But we also wanted to kind of marry it with like the sarcasm of sort of Archer, the sarcasm of kind of what we thought the character really demanded. And so we really were able to find partners who we thought could like bring out both sides of that. Yeah, you mentioned Archer and, you know, Floyd County, the animation team there. There's such a cool look to it and vibe and the the way characters move. It's something like Lorraine said, it looks and feels unlike anything else. It must have been fun to start to see their designs come in and seeing, you know, the animation process for this show. Yeah, I mean, it was amazing. We were really lucky because the way we were sort of packaged at Marvel, we got to start our writer's room early. And so we had the full season written before the animation process started, which was like a sort of a huge luxury because we were able to really make sure that all the little visual cues from the beginning hit at the end. It's not like oftentimes in TV, you're like playing catch up the whole time and trying to like keep your head above water. And this, we were almost able to like, view the whole series as a single, almost like extended feature in a lot of ways. And so I think that really helped 
animation tell the story visually in really subtle ways. So if you rewatch it, there's actually like incredible detail that we're only still noticing now. Well, the world that's created is so beautiful. I, in the before times, I had just taken a trip to Japan right before, you know, things started to lock down. And oh, I was wow. absolutely, I was like, onsens and Tokyo. <laughs> like, why did you guys want to use Japan as the backdrop and set the story there? It originally was set, you know, in the mountains. He's sort a of. Japanese macaw. So yeah. sort of it made sense that the first season would take place in Tokyo. There's something, I mean, we've been four or five times in the last decade. It's one of my favorite cities on earth. It's just the vibe. Like the second you're there, you feel completely immersed in this totally other world that's just so beautiful and I don't know, just it seeps into you. And so I think the idea of like setting and in Tokyo just made so much sense and it just felt so cinematic and beautiful on film. And it was also very, I don't know, the idea of exploring just that Yakuza Revenge saga felt really cool for Monkey to kind of, that was the launching pad. You have an amazing voice cast for the show. The talent is wonderful. Jason Sudeikis, George Takei, Olivia Munn. How do you sell them on, yes, this is a, a murder monkey and he's on a revenge <laughs> spree against the Yakuza. Um, and what was that like as they were recording? Well, it's the right question to ask because when you pitch it sometimes, you know, even to our parents, they're like, what? Like, you know, what is this? <laughs> I think once you get inside of it and you actually see the story and the potential there, it started to become infectious. And, you know, we just led with passion and we happened to have, unfortunately, the cell phone numbers of a lot of these people <laughs> and some relationships. We'd worked with them on other things. We tried to work with Jason before, who we've always wanted to work with because he's just incredible and so additive and funny and comedic. And we did a movie with Olivia Munn, who's just so good and inventive and really game and both smart and funny. And I think just as we started to build the village, it came alive. And, you know, Ali Mackey, was a really important ad because her character kind of in a lot of ways has this really interesting like monkey she also has this kind of outsider's story arc through the season and Allie and really like Olivia being so entrenched in that Marvel kind of terrain they actually really helped us you know what I mean it was amazing it was almost like they would help with writing and episodes and it was pretty collaborative and amazing and then the big get was George Takei who's just a legend just totally amazing and I think you know the thing that was so great was we really had a lot of time to work on the pilot script and the material we were working from was just so strong that when you read the pilot I think you got this is ambitious this is not just going to be sort of silly it's it's really actually trying to like explore deep themes and be cinematic and be filled with pathos and all this sort of weird humor that I think people just sort of went like yeah okay I'm game I'll try First of all, shout out to Ali Maki because she is the one who told me all the best ramen places to go to when I was in Japan. <laughs> She's incredible. Yeah. Also in the cast, Fred Tatashore, who's like a Marvel legend in animation, voices Hitmonkey. He's voiced a bunch of characters, I think most notably probably the Hulk. And he's got like yeah. a huge voice. Yeah. But it's so interesting to hear him do like Hitmonkey, who has like a range of very high and low and everything in between. How did Fred come to be a part of it? Well, it's interesting. We really struggled in the initial phases of how does Monkey sound? Because one of the big things that we really love about Monkey was that he doesn't speak. And everything he does is interpreted by Bryce. 
and then later by other characters. And so it was really important that you were able to connect with him emotionally and understand his emotional state and what he's trying to say, even though he doesn't speak in a language that we understand. And so we sort of thought like, oh, are we building, you know, like they did with Chewbacca, are we building a library of sounds and trying to like, and we started to go down mm. that road, but it just felt disconnected in this weird way. And then Fred came in and we sort of said, well, let's just try an actor like Fred who can really interpret the scenes as an actor. And the second he did it, we were like, oh, that's the answer. He's perfect. So, <laughs> oh, that's why. Yeah. And he was able to lay his performance, his season's performance down really quickly. I, mean, yeah. I think it was like three or four sessions. And we kind of had like 80% of all of Monkey's. He was very intuitive. And I think the, as Josh said, like, we have such respect for the character that there's something about giving him an entire range of emotions that we wanted to sort of infuse. You know, it's funny because there was also like initially not a line item for that character, you know, to be voiced. You know, it's sort of like, well, he doesn't speak. So there he goes. And as you guys know, with your own pets, I'm sure, you know, animals have a complete vocabulary. Like they really do know mm -hmm. how to communicate. And especially here, because there's so much emotionality, there's so much pathos, and then there's so much action. So we really wanted somebody who could get inside the soul of this character, and he did it wonderfully. Definitely. Yeah, Fred is a friggin' legend. He's, he's amazing. Yeah. You also, you mentioned Bryce, and that character has a bit of a different vibe from the, the sort of spirit character that's with Monkey yeah. in the original books. Yeah. What was your thinking of making him more sarcastic and, and kind of a yeah. Um, in, in the best, the best way. Ways. In all the best ways. He's kind of the bad guy of the story. Yeah. You know? it's like his arc to kind of realize like, oh, wow, I'm the bad guy. You know? It's, well, it's interesting. When we read the original comics, that was our interpretation of him in a weird way. I mean, he seemed very serious and very dry in the original three. But we just sort of thought like, wow, this guy has obviously made terrible choices to get to this place in his life where he's double crossed after a political assassination at a military airport. And therefore, what does that look like if you're this innocent creature to have basically the world's worst mentor in your head, <laughs> you know, giving you advice on how to live your life in the human world when he clearly failed at living his. And so I think our interpretation of that was, wow, he must be a pretty alcoholic, broken down, droll, sarcastic, a guy you would probably walk away from at a bar if you met him. You know what I mean? And to us, that led to, well, let's find Jason Sudeikis. Man, I mean, Jason Sudeikis is so charismatic that you can hear him just say horrible things. And you're like, what a guy. Just yeah. absolutely delightful and hilarious. It's funny because he was starting the writer's room of Ted Lasso when we first sat down and talked about Hitmonkey. And, you know, he talked a little bit about that character, too. And I think what we've come to realize about Jason, we've known him as an actor for years and our paths have definitely crossed over with other actors and other movies and conversations. But, you know, he's so heart led. That's what Ted is. And that, I think, is what grounds his comedy so that he can actually be really edgy or sarcastic or say disgusting things and he always remains likable because i think he holds as an actor the center of this goodness do you know what i mean so i think you know that was something we were looking for because i think you know sometimes an actor can go down a darker path and just leave you there and i think there's something that has to be 
translucent about the soul of the actor and the performer that's coming into that role to give it something that redeems itself constantly. And I think that's what we wanted the show to emulate. And I think Jason just really embodies that. I mean, and in the writing of Bryce too, right, that like he wants to connect with people and he doesn't want to see the bad things and the bad fallout of his life. He kind of wants to just live in ignorant bliss because he wants to enjoy, you know, like he's not like, yeah, I want misery. You know? Yeah, no, he's not mean at all. <laughs> he's slightly tragic and it breaks your heart. He's, yeah. he's lonely. I mean, that's really what it is, is he's lonely. He's really good at his job, but he's bad at everything else. You know what I mean? And he, he loves the women probably right to the point where they walk out the door, you know what I mean? And, but he's impossible to live with and he's impossible to kind of pin down. And to us, that's such a complex sort of sweet, tragic character. And then he finds this friend and in a weird way, it's almost like it's the first real friend he's ever had. It's the first person that's ever spent enough time with him and can't actually physically get away from him. That's <laughs> sort of work through all of his stuff. That to us was also just sort of like, this weird, amazing story as character redemption was really, I think, what drove us in the writer's room. The show is definitely full of emotion and all the pathos and stuff, but it also is a very, very much an adult animated show. It is intense. It is like there's a, an old lady who is vicious and foul mouthed in the second episode where she gets, um, spoilers, sawed in half. Yep. Um, and it is <laughs> wild i was giggling like a like a school child watching that scene like what the hell is this it's the best uh were, did you ever feel like is this too far no let's keep going what was it like for I'm you guys i'm glad you pivoted it? us because i'm sure listeners are thinking oh is this some sort of kramer versus kramer drama that we're describing <laughs> with, with all of this with all of this emotionality yes but on the other side of the aisle is definitely hard violence for a specific reason you know and the answer to your question is yeah every day we would all call each other sit around zoom figure it out like too far too much no, <laughs> i don't know you know like and i think we hit the right balance that's i think what is intrinsic to the original material which is this ultra violence and and i think that's ultimately what drew us to it was wow i haven't quite seen this done in this way before and so we were able to hire an amazing team of animators who are all sick in the head and were able to, <laughs> you know, present these things. And, and we wrote that scene. When we first saw the scene, we were like, wow, that, that's, that's going for it. But it's cool. If I remember correctly, there's like a sound effect to yeah, her body. Yeah, like, uh, like <laughs> And I was just like, oh, gosh, it's great. Yeah, hitting, hitting the floor. Oh, as you can tell, we love, 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 love Hit Monkey. We have to release you out into the wild so you can continue yes. to make cool stuff. But before you go, any final words for fans and what you hope they see, appreciate any message to the Marvel fans? I mean, it may sound corny, but I think we want to sort of build Hit Monkey's fan base and army, you know, and feel like we're all part of a collective. That's what's fun about coming in from a Canton angle and discovering a character. And I feel like Josh and I just want to make sure that we're honoring the original and ultimately by proxy honoring the universe and the Marvel brand, which we have such respect for. But I think we're wanting everybody to feel like they're rallying behind it with us together because we made this to be enjoyed and to be a generous offering of a new character that is really dynamic and has a lot of possibility and heart and humanity and violence and all of it. So I think we're just excited to share it with the world and have them discover it alongside of us rather than sort of feel like it's something that 
has been pre-programmed or pre-positioned or existing IP. This is this was made by a small group in a weird little corner, <laughs> and that's why we think we're so proud of it. But I think the other thing is also Marvel is such a rich universe, all of it, and there's so many amazing weird things that still go undiscovered i think by a lot you know it's funny we're seeing online people like i had no idea this character even existed it's like there's like hundreds of characters that are this amazing kind of out there in the universe and i think that's what's so exciting about this time is like all the different entities all come to marvel work with fandom and i think it's just cool that characters like this get their day in the sun i just think that's that's really what's exciting Amen. I look forward to Comic-Con next year when we see a bunch of children yeah! dressed as tiny little <laughs> hit monkeys very inappropriately. It's going to be magical. You guys, thank you so much. We're big fans of yours, and we really appreciate you guys including us on this. It means a lot to us, and it was a great start to our day here, so thank you. Oh, right thank back you at you. Well, that was awesome. And I was already excited about Marvel's Hit Monkey on Hulu. And now I'm even more excited. First of all, you guys do great interviews. I love the both of you. And just listening to Josh Gordon and Will Speck talk about it. I love their excitement. I love what the spirit they put into it. I love the fact how much they, they just put so much into the show. I can't wait to see it myself. I didn't talk to them about the movie Blades of Glory, which they directed. <laughs> and I love. We were running out of time. And I was like, I'm going to finish Marvel's Hit Monkey and, and put Blades of Glory on as like a after mint. And of course, be sure to watch Marvel's Hit Monkey on Hulu now streaming. It is so good. Yeah. It's just a slam to the system. Speaking of slams, we have another interview today. Bonus interview with the WWE champion, Big E, yes, me and my brother Agent M interviewed the wonderful WWE champion Big E, and we talked about his love of Marvel. There have only been four, four African-American WWE champions, and the fact that Big E is one of them is amazing, and what he has gone through and what he has done in his career and what he and the New Day have done is absolutely phenomenal. It's a great interview. He's a great guy. He loves Marvel. He's just got the biggest heart. He's also got the biggest chest in the history of wrestling. He's just a great guy, so you definitely need to check it out. Here it is. James Monroe, I go heart. Like a babyface tag team in the 1980s, I've been getting my butt kicked by the heels all over the place. I've been trying to get that tag, and finally, a roll down, get under their legs, make the hot tag to you, James, so you can introduce our guest. Ah, ladies and gentlemen, you don't understand what's about to happen. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, you don't get it. We've had legends, we've had wrestlers, we've had sports entertainers, but ladies and gentlemen, we have the WWE World Heavyweight Champion. This man has been multi-time tag team champion. This man has been NXT Heavyweight Champion. This man has got the biggest chest in all of professional wrestling. <laughs> you don't know what I mean. Ladies and gentlemen, he is the creator of the Because New Derox. Ladies and gentlemen, and Marvelites all around the world, welcome Big E. Wow. Wow. I, I feel like we can go home right here. That, <laughs> I don't know how we, we taught that. That I, I am humbled. The two of you are incredible. So thank you for that. I appreciate that. 
I've been waiting to do that for years, man. We didn't even talk about it ahead of time because I just knew you had that in you, James. We were ready for it. It was good. Clearly. First things first, congratulations, champ. Yes. Well deserved. Well done. Thank you very much. Man, it's been a whirlwind. I keep waiting for the moment where I come back down and there's this moment of normalcy. But I've, I've given up on that now. I don't think there's a coming down. It's just been escalating the entire time. But man, everyone has been so kind. And just the outpouring of love from my peers, from fans, from everybody has really just made this this whole like last four weeks or so just incredibly memorable. So yeah, I couldn't be more grateful. As a wrestling fan and as an African-American wrestling fan, there have been a very, very short list of people who've been world heavyweight champion, whether it be uh, WCW or WWE or any place actually. But when you won the title, the outpouring of just everybody across the board, just saying you deserve it was so amazing because I have talked to wrestlers, I have talked to fans, I have talked to friends of wrestlers who know you, you are generally loved because not only are you one of the toughest SOBs in the ring, but you have one of the biggest hearts out of the ring. So it was really such a blessed moment for those of us who've watched wrestling all of our lives, being little black kids, to watch you win, because it was watching one of the good ones win. And also the way you were able to do it, you know, it's always cool when you get the case and you're walking behind somebody, beat them in the head with it and win it. No, you walked out there at the beginning of the show and said, I'm doing this. And it was like, this is great. He's going to do this. It was a wonderful way to do it. And just, I'm so happy for you. Thank you so much. Becoming world champion, obviously, in and of itself is really cool. But what made the moment so special is the reception from everyone else. Yeah, it was really special. It was really awesome. And I echo everything that James said, except for, you know, being African-American. I can't help. <laughs> I can't help being a white Latino kid. Uh, but we do have to ask you a little Marvel stuff. What is your Marvel origin story how'd you first get connected to the marvel characters or stories or whatever it was for you so i'm 35 meaning i was born in 1986 and i feel like at least for my peer group i feel like everyone all at least all the boys that i knew grew up on x-men the animated series yes man i had uh, i had a professor x i had a few different wolverines figure you know those and that was it that for some reason just really fully and completely captured my imagination as a kid Wolverine was my guy. I'm not six feet tall, I'm not the tallest, and Wolverine, not the tallest either. But there's just something about that gruff exterior, but deep down, deep, deep down, there's that heart of gold too. So yeah, Wolverine was my guy. I know my partner, Xavier Woods, he's a Scott Summers guy. What? I know Xavier, we have never talked about this. We will be arguing about this later. Cause <laughs> yes. I have issues with Scott. Don't worry, well, I'll talk to Xavier later. We'll, I, I do we'll too, I do too. So yeah, we are not on the same page here. Oh my God, really? Yes. That's yes. terrible. I know. Yeah, I will say, growing up a little bit more, I'm with you guys still, but at the same time, I understand some of Scott's business a little bit more. He's a dad, right? Like He's a dad now. Yeah, but he's like one of those little kids who's always been in that like dad mode, but that's fine. We will forgive. Xavier Woods. He's a good guy. So we're talking about Xavier Woods. We should also mention Kofi Kingston. Three of you formed The New Day, which is an amazing faction in wrestling. For anybody who doesn't know who's listening to the show, what is The New Day? So the three of us formed a group on our own in 2014. We had a, a pretty rocky beginning, to say the least. 
But we found that the three of us had a ton of chemistry pretty much right out of the gate. One of the things that really benefited us is for anyone who isn't a huge wrestling fan, we have live events or house shows. And these are shows that we do every single week in different towns, but they're not televised. So they're just simply for the house, for the people in attendance. When we first started, thankfully, even before we were on TV as a trio, we got the opportunity to do all these house shows together. So the three of us would ride together. We would do our weird three-man tag team, and we'd have these opportunities to just work on stuff. We would shoot stuff on our own. We would buy clothes on our own and shoot little skits and whatnot. But we just, we very much believed in ourselves and the three of us. And our very first incarnation actually was what was supposed to be like a nation of domination 2.0. That was very quickly scrapped. And then we had to go back to the drawing board. And then I think a few months later, you see us as these preachers slash inspirational speakers slash you know, just very gospel inspired. For me, I grew up in the church. So that's for me, it's pretty natural. But for Woods and Cove, that was something that was foreign to them. So, you know, we were kind of given this idea that wasn't ours, but we knew we had to do our best to make it work. So really our bond was just forged through all the ups and downs and the door slammed in our faces and being told no. We just really believed we had something. Now, could I tell you that we were going to go on to break a tag team record that stood for 20 years in WWE and holding tag titles for 483 consecutive days, or that we'd have these long promo segment with The Rock, or that we would have cereal that you can currently buy at <laughs> FYE called Bootios. Like we've done so many incredible things I would never even fathom or imagine. But really the takeaway for me is, you know, wrestling, this industry can be a very selfish business. But what I really, really adore is that the three of us genuinely root for each other. We have no problem saying, I love you. Those guys have become family for me. And I love that, you know, with all the ups and downs of the entertainment industry, I feel like our bond, it might be its strongest ever right now, which is incredible. I can't say enough good things about those two guys. They're, they're incredible human beings, not just incredible professional wrestlers. And I love to, for anyone who's been paying attention, especially this year, I feel like my man Woods is finally starting to get the attention he deserves. You know, people already know how good Kofi is. Kofi Mania was, you know, an all-time great WWE moment and run, but I'm glad, you know, Woods has been wrestling for almost two decades. And he's still like the underrated guy. He's finally getting that opportunity. So I think, the King of the Ring tournament, which uh, is just underway right now. Uh, he just won his opening round match with Ricochet. And uh, he's got a couple more under his belt before he hopefully wins this whole thing. I could talk for another half hour about Kofi, but those guys are just the best. I had the distinct pleasure of being in San Jose, California, because I am from the Bay Area. I was in San Jose, California for the debut of The New Day. And you guys all came out, and the crowd booed the living crap out of you guys. <laughs> yes. And you guys were able to turn San Jose. They, they tried to boo by the, by the end of the segment. They didn't know whether to boo or cheer. I saw the twinkle in your eye. You guys were like, oh, we got something. I also happened to have the pleasure of being in Jersey, because I live in Jersey, for Kofi Mania. So I was there when you guys started, and I was there when Kofi won the title. And just watching 
the evolution of the group has been so cool because of Hamilton. I was able to do an Apple TV moment with you guys, me and my boy Donald Weber, who's in on the Hamilton tour. We were able to kick it with you guys. So just be able to kick it with you guys and watching the chemistry between you guys. What you guys see on TV is real. The new day is real. The love and camaraderie you see between these three brothers are real. And you're right, watching Woods do what he did, he always has been a fantastic wrestler, but watching him when he wrestled Ricochet was just stupid good. So I'm so proud of all of you guys, but this is a great moment for the three of you. It's gonna be really, really cool. With the New Day, y'all have done really cool costumes. Even anybody, lots of great costumes across WWE. A lot of Marvel-inspired stuff. We talked to Johnny Gargano, friend of the show, who's done a ton of cool stuff. Have you guys ever done any Marvel-inspired New Day gear? I don't know if we have. Yeah, that's a no-brainer. I don't know why we haven't yet. But yeah, we need to get on there. It's fine. It's I, I remember like the, the Dragon Ball gear. That, was... You came out of the cereal box. God, dog. That was so good. Dope. Yeah, all those stuff. I have a picture of me and, and Woods, and he's like cosplaying as a Power Ranger at some convention. Yes. And I was like, yeah, they, they must have done Power Rangers. Yeah, you got to get that Marvel fix, man. Yeah, we need to. We definitely need to. We're behind on that. So one of the cool things about the New Day is not just the fact that you guys are amazing wrestlers, not just that you guys are actually humanitarians with the play things you guys do, but also your podcast may be one of the most entertaining podcasts. And there's a moment where just, even though you guys went up toe-to-toe, mic-to-mic with The Rock, you are the three that I would not want to go toe-to-toe with. Just listen to the podcast. Y'all eat folks up, and it's the greatest thing ever. <laughs> but when you guys find a theme, you guys have an hour show, and a theme can start in the first five minutes. Y'all can take that mess to all the way over. So I have to ask you, we love the big meaty men slapping meat. <laughs> that is maybe one of the best <laughs> catchphrases ever. So I have to ask, who, 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 Biggie, is your favorite big meaty Marvel man or Marvel men? Besides Wolverine, who who's the big meaty Marvel man that you look to? Man, my favorite villain ever is probably Apocalypse. So, oh. uh, yeah, it's probably <laughs> maybe something about the the voice. I just I don't know. So yeah, I I like to uh, slap meat with a with Apocalypse, <laughs> which sorry. is one of the weird. I say a lot of weird things. That's one of the weirdest things no. I've, I've ever uttered. <laughs> slap meat with Apocalypse is that that's that's a shirt. Somebody should put. Somebody should put yeah, I, I will say, man, one of my very favorite things is finding the line and just sticking my toe across it. Yes. No one's yelling at me. Let me stick more of my foot across. Like that is my favorite thing to see how, I don't know why, but I just really enjoy getting away with saying nonsense. Uh, somehow they allow me to do it and I will continue. To. <laughs> That's that is so great. You mentioned the New Day pod. It's great. It's something I listen to and look forward to. And uh, thank you for giving a home to Dirty Dan Reichert, who's been a buddy of mine for <laughs> 10 plus years or whatever. And hearing him get in there, he's ridiculous. I think he fits in well with your antics. Oh, Dan is the man. And Dan has become a friend, too, and someone that I just enjoy texting about wrestling or about life or about mental health, too, which is great. You know, he, he wrote a book about anxiety and, you know, working through that. And he fits in so perfectly because... He's with the shenanigans. Yeah. Thinking about the New Day as as a group, as characters, as your vibe, everything about that, are there any Marvel characters you think would make great additions to your team, even if it was just temporarily? Who would roll well with the New Day? And then also with that, you, you mentioned Apocalypse. Who would be great rivals for the New Day? Obviously, we've had the Usos in WWE and many other teams, but 
Who do you think on the Marvel side? Ooh, that is a great question. I mean, obviously, to fit in with the New Day, you have to have uh, not take yourself too seriously. Be, you know, fairly jovial. Loose hips. There's so many different options. Cyclops, got it. Uh, so we'll say Cyclops <laughs> is a member <laughs> of the no, New Day. No, 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 no. <laughs> Miles Morales would be so dope with y'all. Miles Morales, as far as, you know, Ooh, Spider-Man. That is a good choice. You know, Parker, too. If you had Peter and Miles, I think they would fit. Color scheme goes well. They got the swivel of the hips. They do not take the world too seriously because crap just keeps happening to them. Kind of like when y'all be first formed. Crap just kept happening to y'all. Y'all just got through it. Y'all just, you know, Boulder would fall on y'all. Y'all would lift it up and go, ah, Boulder, cool. Let's just keep moving. So I kind of saw like Spider-Man with you guys just like kicking it. Good choice. Also, he could dance and y'all dance well, you know. Right, 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 right. I'm into that. I'm into that. Now I have to pick uh, Nemesis. Ooh. Yeah. You know, if you like the theme of mutants, like the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants had a bunch of great people on that squad, you know, Blob as like a big yeah. immovable force. And then you get someone like Pyro, Toad. I could see a trouble in paradise to Toad. That'd be pretty dope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm into it. I'm into that. I have to say a couple of years ago, thanks to Hamilton, I became friends with John and Amanda Huber. And they came to the show, couldn't believe I got to take a picture with them. It was one of those great moments where like, you know, when professional wrestlers come to Hamilton, it's that moment of game recognized game. It's like, we do it eight shows a week. You guys are on every week doing our thing, you know, one day off or maybe two days off and then back to the grind. And you looking at us going, how do you do that? And me looking at you guys going, how do you do that? So having that moment with them and also me being a Disney nerd and Amanda being a humongous Disney nerd, she immediately looked at me and she said, we're best friends now. And I remember John going, do not agree to this. If you agree to this, <laughs> it is over. I'm like, no, John, we're good. We're best friends now. And he was like, I cannot be responsible for what's happening. And sure enough, Amanda and I talk all the time. And I just want to say, just as a friend looking in, watching your love, your care, your generosity to that family is just amazing. John Huber was an amazing soul. I didn't know him as well as you did, but I've gotten to know Amanda really well. And just seeing... When you're in the entertainment business, you can easily kind of just like think about yourself and move on. And he was not like that. And you are definitely not like that. So I just wanted to say just from on the other side of her friendship, on the theater side, just thank you for just being the amazing brother that you are. And just always kind of making sure you're there for Brody and his brother. And just, it's just magic to watch because when you're at a level that you are, you don't have to be like that. And the fact that you are, regardless of all this is just one of the most cool human things I've ever seen. So just thank you for just being you, bro, for real. Well, I, I appreciate that. You know, my perspective is I'm blessed to have the job that I do, but ultimately it's a job. And the connections you make, the friendships you make, to me, that's life. That's the essence of like why we're here, those relationships, those connections. And John was just the best friend, man. And I've, I've talked about it before in interviews, there was a time I was just kind of struggling with my confidence and, you know, not being booked as much before the new day. And man, he just knew when to say the right thing. You know, I had a match with Seth on main event that, you know, Seth beats me and kind of moves on. And Seth was obviously already on that trajectory of, of being the guy. And I was just still trying to find my place in the company. And the fact that he pulled me aside and said what he said and complimented me and let me know, like, hey, you have what it takes in a very genuine way, just meant so much to me. And even beyond that, man, he was a guy that I would text every single day, whether it was MMA, college football, wrestling, uh, his kids. He just loved 
his family so, so much. There were times where we would have a show. He lived in Rochester. He's from Rochester, eventually moved to Tampa, not that far from me. But when he was still in Rochester, if there was a show that was eight hours away, instead of getting a little bit of sleep and taking the flight the next day, he would drive right after just to be able to spend a little bit more time with his two boys, with his wife. Just the consummate family man. He was so proud. He would talk about little Brody and his wrestling tournaments. He would talk about how nervous he would get. I don't have kids of my own. I don't have a family, but I was just so inspired by the way this man loved his family. And losing him was very, very difficult, especially to see him, you know, in this next chapter of his career going so well. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this this illness strikes. But one, his wife, Amanda, is just one incredible human being. She's She's been so strong for those boys. She's juggled so much and she's been a rock for her family. And those boys are just incredible. Brody is already clearly a natural entertainer. I don't know if you know this, but uh, I told Brody, I said, when you're ready, I will be your manager. I will be your mouthpiece. I will talk <laughs> for you. I said, I got you. Don't worry, bro. You will be champ someday. And I will, like as Bobby Heaney used to say, you win if you can, lose if you must, but always cheat. I will make sure you are champ no matter what happens, no matter what. <laughs> I love it. And he he's loved wrestling from just like the very beginning. You know, no yeah. one had to force it on him at all. No, it's just what it is. Yeah, but I, I can't say enough incredible things about the Hubers, about that family. And John, just again, an incredible human being will forever be missed. And you know, for me, I, I think it's it's about, you know, continuing to remember his legacy and continuing to keep that going because he just meant so much to me. And you know, there's so many times in my life that I want to pick up my phone and text him or talk to him. And I can't, unfortunately. But for me, I think too, the way I've tried to deal with, with bad things, same, you know, with the murder of George Floyd as well as, you know, these times where I really struggle to figure out like how to handle this. My next thought is, Let's do something positive, even if it's a small thing. Let's have something positive come of this. So for me, celebrating Brody, uh, whether it's raising money for charities, thankfully there's an awesome charity in the Rochester area called Food Link New York, and we were able to raise some money. We sold some Brody-inspired gear that we had for Royal Rumble this past year, and we're, we were able to, to donate some money to that incredible charity. So that that's what I want, is my hope is, you know, it was so devastating for our community, for anyone who knew John, but what I love is the outpouring of love for him. What I love is that so many people have come together and have chosen to celebrate this man's life. Well said. Yeah. We're going to have to let you go real soon. I wanted to make sure we had a chance to mention our heroes rock yes. here on the podcast because this is super cool. I'm excited. So I, I hope it really comes to fruition. Can you explain what our heroes rock is? Yeah. So thank you so much for bringing this up. So we established a Kickstarter and we is Jonathan Davenport, myself, and Andreas Hale. We happen to all be friends, but those two guys are just so incredibly talented. Jonathan has been designing our gear since 2014, and he's just an incredible illustrator. Man, his designs just always, I tell him, man, you have the most eye-catching stuff I think I've, I've seen. And Andreas, he's worked as a journalist forever in hip hop and combat sports, but he's also been an activist. So it's just the perfect marriage. But essentially what we did with our Kickstarter is we raised money to create this short film. And it's essentially, it's a short film that, that we want to stand on its own, but it's also a proof of concept. For this, we're using 3D animation. We're using hip hop. We have Rhapsody, who's a two-time Grammy nominee. She's just an incredible MC. She banged out a song for us that we absolutely love. Eric, the architect, who's with Flatbush Zombies, is an incredible producer. He produced a song. 
And Jonathan has worked on the script and wrote an incredible script that we love. We want to tell the story of Ruby Bridges, who, for anyone who doesn't know, was a six-year-old black girl in 1960, and she integrated an all-white school in New Orleans. There were a few other black kids, but she was really the standout of that group. But her story just really resonated with us because I think, you know, you think to any six-year-old to see their innocence, to see how young they are, to have, for her to go out there, you know, she was escorted by U.S. Marshals. There were crowds who had black dolls in black coffins who yelled things at her, terrible things, who threw things at her, but yet she persevered. She is an icon. And, you know, you see these pictures oftentimes in black and white, but she just, I believe, recently turned 67. She's younger than both of my parents. These are not stories from 100, 200 years ago. These are things from our very recent past. So my hope, especially after the murder of George Floyd, was if we can do our part to help educate people and have them better understand just the incredible sacrifices that so many Black Americans have made, whether it's through uh, literature, through activism, through politics, whatever it is, we want to celebrate those people. But we also want to do it in a fun and engaging way. And kind of the metaphor that I use is it reminds me of when I was a kid. And my parents, oftentimes, if it was uh, medicine or vitamins that I needed, they would take applesauce and they would crush it up and mix it in the applesauce. And then you're eating this applesauce and it tastes great. You love it, but you don't really understand or realize that you're getting the nutrients that you need. And that's our hope with this project is you just sit down to watch a fun, animated, engaging story and you walk away with this jingle and with the story of this incredible young girl who did an incredible thing. So that's our mission. It's going really well right now. Even though it's a short film, man, it's a lot, there's a lot of work that goes into it, but I have the best partners and this is something that's really been a labor of love for us and uh, we can't wait to finally get this out there. The designs on it look great. It's gonna be iconic, especially for those of us who are older and kind of like know a little bit about like what you kind of based it on and then, but, to, but also with the story, but it's gonna be fire. I can't wait for you to finally show it to everybody. Awesome, I appreciate that. And thank you for asking about it as well, because this has been the one thing that's energized, especially, like I said, you know, I, I remember being on the phone with friends, with teammates, whatever it was, you know, other black men who, you know, so many of us were in, in pain. And I remember just, I just couldn't get those images out of my head. And I felt powerless in many ways. And I didn't know what to do to think of dismantling this entire system of systemic racism is something, you know, I'm just a, a pro wrestler, what can I do? But I felt like, you know, I, I do have a platform. I can do something and I wanted to do something. And I'm so glad I was able to do it. Like being able to work with your friends on something that's important and something that you love is just the best. So we're beyond excited to make this thing. Yeah. I just have to ask a couple more Marvel questions. As being WWE, you know, champion, is there a Marvel character that you feel that you literally could go one-on-one -on -one with and it would be like a WrestleMania main event match. I mean, who is that character that it's, we're here in New York City for WWE champion, Biggie Langston, and who is <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like if you're talking about slapping meat, Hulk is an obvious, that's an obvious yeah, choice. I, I was you know, thinking that, but I, mean, I wasn't gonna say that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's too obvious, but I mean, that's it's a lot, it'll be a lot of that. Like, you, if yeah. you're looking for high-flying, this won't be your match, it'll no. just be. <laughs> Two, two, two massive, two, one, a dude much more massive than I. But uh, yeah, that, that, that's, that's the mania match in my mind. That's what I was thinking. I, wasn't, I didn't want to put it out there, but that's what I was thinking. To do that properly, you'd have to have, like back in the 80s when they would do the tail of the tape. I remember Jesse Ventura yes, would yes. do the tail of the tape and he would give like the measurements of the biceps and then the, the chest measurements. Yes. That would be like yes. the, the crowning thing between yes. Hulk and Biggie. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. 
E, we appreciate you. We thank you for spending some time with us and geeking out and, and goofing off and, and talking about big, meaty men. Thank you guys so much, man. You guys are uh, honestly the best. And I appreciate you both. Thank you guys. Oh, please. It's been nothing but a pleasure, Big E, bro. Thanks, champ. Those were some wonderful interviews you can check out. Big E as part of WWE Survivor Series taking place this Sunday, streaming live on Peacock in the U.S. and WWE Network everywhere else. WrestleMania also takes place Saturday, April 2nd and Sunday, April 3rd, live from the AT&T Stadium in Dallas. And tickets are on sale now through SeatGeek.com. But we got to keep this show rolling because next week our guest will be Jess Barbagallo, one of the stars of Marvel's Wastelanders, Hawkeye. So get excited for that. That. And it's also Thanksgiving next week. So with that in mind, our question of the week is what Marvel stuff from 2021 are you thankful for? And it can either be stuff that is already out now or stuff on the way. Comics, movies, TV, video games, whatever it is, there's plenty to be thankful for this year. Did it please your senses? Did it give you all the feels? Think back to the entirety of this year. How much stuff has come out is kind of wild i'm thankful that my in-laws are coming over for thanksgiving and one i'm thankful we can be together but two i'm thankful that we can like sit down and watch marvel studios shang chi and the legend of the ten rings together on our tv and just like sit together and enjoy stuff as a family it's rare that we get to do that so i'm really excited for that oh i can honestly say i am thoroughly thankful to be a part of this week in marvel Oh, there's nothing like coming back and seeing you guys. Agent M, a.k.a. my brother Ryan. This was a great opportunity. Thank you for this. Lorraine, you are the most professional, most amazing writer <laughs> at person I have ever met. Everything you do is just fantastic. And, and the fact that Zachary does not choke me and has the most amazing patience with my schedule and what I say and my technology not working is great. And Isabel just has like just patience of Job. Just everything. She has like this cool straight face with glasses like, yeah, sure. Everything's good. So, I mean, I love this team and the fact that I've get, got to be a part of this team for a while. I'm just eternally thankful. This is one of the cool things I look forward to. God dang it. James always beats us. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was just going to say, I'm thankful that we got a Marvel's MODOK show. I, I knew that. Yeah. Listen, I knew what you were thankful for. It. I'm thankful for selfishly for making a cameo in that show, being a part of the Marvel Future Revolution game, and then getting the three of us into X Force this year. That I was mean, so cool. I can't get over that. Me too. You, you like, know that wow. like was a, a life maker for me. We're thankful for a lot of really cool Marvel stuff, and there's so much more, but we want to yeah. hear from all of y'all. You can tweet your answers using hashtag ThisWeekInMarvel, email them to TwinPodcast at Marvel.com, or send a message to our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash ThisWeekInMarvel. Please make sure to tell us it is okay to read on the show. Yeah, and our question from last week was, which Marvel animal is your favorite? James, why don't you hit us with the first comment? You got it. Bobby P. at Warbirdie1987. My favorite Marvel animal is definitely Chewy. I love the flurkin cat. Best little friend you could ask for. Just mind the mouth. Don't want to end up in the pocket dimension. That is so true. <laughs> I love Chewy the flurkin. We got one from Simon Williams at Simon Sebs who... I'm very glad to see you commenting back on the show, Simon. It's been a hot minute. Simon says... I would say my favorite Marvel animal is Lockjaw. Just think of all the time and gas you could save with a teleporting dog. A close second would be Thori, the ultimate Aww. attack dog. 
Thori is disturbingly oh, scary, but so cute. Yeah. <laughs> Next up, we have Devin Colson at Devin Colson, who says, either Lockjaw, Lucky, or Bats. They're all good boys. Those are some great dogs. Mm-hmm. Bats, often underrepresented, being a cute little ghost basset hound. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Matt at Maybray at Matt Maybray. Ms. Lion, he's a delight. Can I just tell you what a throwback Ms. Lion is Mm -hmm. for me? For those of us who are of a certain age, uh, we all introduced to Ms. Lion in Spider-Man and his amazing friends when they mixed two X-Men who who were never together with Spider-Man in a group. Ah, it's just great, and I love that dog. Yeah. Amy at Spoolu Flies says the only correct answer to this question is Jeff. Oh, but anytime we go more than a few months without hearing about a character's pet, I start to worry. Can someone confirm Leho is doing okay? Yes, that's Black Widow's cat. Although cats belong to no one. That's just what it is. Cats are roommates. They are not pets. So I'm sure Leho is having a full life. That's right. <laughs> Porse at... Cookie Catapult, as much as I love Jeff, I'll have to go with Tippy Toe. She's also probably the most fashionable. I had to give it something about that bow, just let you know. That, that, <laughs> that girl knows how to dress. That's right. Following up on that, Thomas at T3 Allingham says, Tippy Toe, Squirrel Girl wouldn't be nearly as unbeatable without her. That's true. I mean, some of her best moves have been when she just calls a horde of squirrels to like take down <laughs> Dr. Doom. So accurate. Next up, Rob at Infamous Rob says, big soft spot for Neil's Speedball's cat, Hairball. Never forget Hairball of the Pet Avengers. <laughs> Kai Browse at Kai underscore GX doesn't get much better than Howard the Duck. Love his what if cameo too. Howard is so mad that you included him. Well, I was thinking we, the same thing. It was, it was an outraged. overarching animals. <laughs> That's true. So not pets. Most people went to pets, which is fine, but animals. And still, I think Howard would be very upset. Yes. Oh, yeah. He'd be very upset. Jay at No Longer Human 89 says, Spider-Ham is by far my favorite Marvel animal. He is hilarious. Spider-Ham is fine with it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, he's he's fine. Everybody in Spider-Ham's universe is a tremendous asset to Marvel. So we need more of that. We have an email from Henrik Henson. This is a no-brainer. Lucky the Golden Retriever. His POV Hawkeye issue is legendary. Mm. Seeing him in the Hawkeye trailer made me smile and put me right back into the world of the epic Matt Fraction and David Aha run. What a good boy. We all know the answer to that. Make mine Marvel. Hendrik Hansen, Maidstone, Kent in the UK. All right, we got one more email, and it's from my friend, Stephen Kushner, who wrote in response to last week's episode for our question about what he loves most on Disney+. And he says, congrats on 10 years. There's tons of great content on Disney+. My favorite original series is The Mandalorian. But since you're not this week in Star Wars, I'll have to mention my favorite classic series, Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Spidey, Firestar, and Iceman were my gateway into the Marvel Universe way back in kindergarten. I love the team up with other heroes like the X-Men, and the Spider-Friends are my go-to on Disney+. May I just say, there were three cartoons that were my Marvel gateway, and it was uh, Spider-Man, the Hulk, and then Spider-Man and his amazing friends, because the same team that did Spider-Man and his amazing friends did a solo cartoon with Spider-Man. That introduction of Spider-Man, Firestar, and Iceman was so cool and it is on disney plus and oh my gosh it's, a, it's just such a nostalgic moment for me 
Yeah. Heck yeah. This episode of This Week in Marvel was produced by Zachary Goldberg, Isabel Robertson, Lorraine Sink, and Ryan Panagos. Our audio development manager is Brad Barton. Jill Duboff is our director of audio. Special thanks to It's Jeff, the only land shark who will be nice and not bite you in the butt. Or he might bite you in the butt. It's Jeff, it's Jeff. You know what's up? He'll either be real nice or bite you in the butt. It's Jeff. I'm Ryan. I'm Lorraine. And I am JMI. This is Marvel. Your, Your universe. universe.